Brenda Van Lingen along with Debbie Antonelli. And Debbie, we knew this would be Bedlam, but what it is is an old-fashioned shootout. You are the fastest to 600 victories of any coach, man or woman. What does that mean to you? I love my job. I, I love being able to sit courtside and watch the performances and describe the strategies and the stories of all these young women. And a runner at first, the game winner is at the plate. And she strikes her and with that, hello, I am your host, Olivia Eisenhower, and I would like to welcome you to the first episode of the Where We Belong podcast, where I have the honor of being joined by... I'm Brenda Van Lingen, and I'm a sports broadcaster on ESPN and a number of other uh, networks and have been for 26 years. And I know you recognize that familiar voice from the intros, but is there a better person or the pilot than yourself? I mean, you played women's college basketball, coached women's college basketball, and now have been on air for ESPN, Fox Sports, and SEC Network covering hoops, of course, but also so much more. Where did that begin? I went to a, a small college in Nebraska. It was Kearney State College at the time. Now it's the University of Nebraska. Carney and uh, played basketball and got a business education degree. I moved on to be a coach at the University of Nebraska and when I decided to get out of coaching, I went to Nebraska Public Television and uh, asked them if I could be a part of their broadcast. They had broadcast girls and women's basketball for decades. I think they were way ahead of their time and just you know wanted an opportunity and I basically said uh, I don't have a broadcast journalism degree. I don't have any experience, but I know the game. I know the players and coaches. I love to talk. Uh, you know, what can I have a chance? And that's how I got my start. And I did some Nebraska educational television broadcast for a few years. I had a lucky break uh, in uh, 1998 and got on national television by walking up to Allen Fieldhouse and they needed an announcer. And uh, I walked in and did the game. and. From there, uh, kind of uh, the rest is history. I, I have done uh, Fox Sports Big 12 broadcasts for 24, 25 years. I have uh, done ESPN games as well as an analyst, uh, Big 10 Network, SEC Network. I was an analyst my first 15 years and then uh, in the 11 years since, I've also done play-by-play. -play. And so I do play-by-play -play for soccer, volleyball, um, softball as well and um, and, and basketball and just uh, have a lot of fun doing it. So out of that lengthy resume, <laughs> um, what do you think is the most exciting thing you've covered or your biggest accomplishment? Wow, you know, I've been able to be a part of a lot of uh, big games over the years. I called the Division II National Championship for several years, and a couple of years it was at my alma mater at the University of Nebraska Kearney, so that was a huge honor. But probably the biggest event uh, was the World University Games in Kazan, Russia. Uh, I got to call the gold medal uh, game there, and it was USA against Russia, and it was probably 4,500 fans for uh, Russia and the rest for the United States, and you know, just my voice being the one going back calling that gold medal game uh, was really special. What would you say is your favorite venue of college sports? Sorry, that might be a really tough one. Wow. Um, you know, I've I've had the opportunity to call games in, in most venues across the country. Um, you know, as far as atmosphere, I, I do a lot of Big 12 games, and so I would say um, Hilton Coliseum in Ames, Iowa, probably has the best atmosphere of any venue that I've done games in. Um, Baylor, of course, with all of their success, has great fans. Uh, you know, I've just I've had the opportunity to be at Thompson Bowling Arena at Tennessee. 
and just games all over the country. So it's hard to say a favorite. So more recently, they it's made headlines first with the women's NCAA tournament with the weight room. And then it was pointed out about the gear and just kind of the difference between the men's tournament. How long has that been going on that it really <laughs> hasn't come to the surface? And what have you seen from your end of that? Well, um, it's interesting because, uh, I mean, I could take you back to the entire history of it because I'm doing some research on it right now. I'll give you a long history in a, in a brief way. Women's sports weren't even a thing uh, in the 70s. Uh, and when Title IX came about, uh, at the same time, there were a lot of women that were already leaders in sports. They tried to go to the NCAA to have uh, support for their tournament structure and their governance structure, and the NCAA wasn't interested at all. So there were some very pioneering, trailblazing women that started the AIAW and started an organization for women to have their own national tournament structure and governance structure, etc. They built it up so well that the NCAA took notice in the early 80s and said, oh, okay, now we will take you in. I think um, if you talk to some of those women back then, there, there are things even from 40 years ago that have not been fulfilled. Some of the promises haven't been fulfilled. So there have been a lot of battles for women's sports over the last 40 years and a lot of inequities. And it's it's a constant battle. And, you know, we'll take two steps forward and one step back or one step forward and two back. And so the, the events of this year and having those come to light through the women that, that saw the situation and said, this just isn't right and we're going to put it out on social media and, and the attention that it garnered from the national news and from a lot of people that are very interested, I think is a very positive thing because just being able to share that, you know, t even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, if the somebody would have noticed the inequities and we did, uh, nobody really cared. And so to be able to put it out on social media and get the attention to say, this just isn't right. These two championships should have equal experiences for the student athletes. And that's what we should be about, is providing equitable, fantastic experiences for these student athletes. And I hope that we are on the way to grabbing the attention of people and making the, the changes, you know, and, and making some leaps and bounds kind of changes. I, just for the listeners, and I know there's people like this that go, you know, I want to watch women's basketball, but it's just not as quick as men's basketball. What would you say in response to that? Well, I would say uh, you probably haven't been watching lately. <laughs> uh, if you had a chance to watch uh, any of the NCAA tournament games this year uh, and actually really watch them, you would be so impressed with the athleticism, the skill, the teamwork, the defense, the offense, all of it. Uh, I actually had two big televisions in our living room and was watching the women's games at the same time as the men's games. And the women's scores were typically higher at the same point in the game as the men's scores. So, you know, you can't use that excuse anymore. The, the women's game is fun to watch uh, at the college level with, with uh, four quarters and with the ability to call timeouts and advance to the front court at the end of the game and strategies and all that kind of stuff. It's fun to watch. There are women that dunk. They don't dunk all the time but they have that ability. And there are others that just play the game the way that it's supposed to be played, moving the ball, sharing, screening, all the things that make basketball great. And if you just sit down and, and watch a couple of games, you'll, you'll be able to see that. Because you do have the side of the athlete, but also as a woman in broadcast, what doubts have you faced 
You know, I feel like I got involved with uh, broadcasting women's sports at a time when I kind of grew with the sport. Uh, you know, it, it would have been, uh, I did not get a, a broadcast journalism degree because at the time there weren't a lot of women's sports even being televised. And so it would have been awfully uh, forward thinking of me even to get a, a broadcast journalism degree at that time. So it was really, you know, several years out of college and my coaching experience that, that got me into the first steps. And I feel like as more and more games have been broadcast, uh, I have grown my my career and I really just am so honored to be able to describe the stories and the strategies and share my passion for the sport. You know, the games, having more games on television, uh, it, you know, is just part of our growth of our game and it's gotten better every year. You know, my situation is I went to a small school in the middle of Nebraska, played at the NAIA level, uh, was never a head coach didn't have a broadcast journalism degree, so I don't really have the credentials that a lot of people uh, in broadcasting have. And I've been able to build my career through, you know, building good relationships, working hard, doing my job well, making connections, networking, uh, all those kind of things uh, that have opened opened up doors for me. So, you know, I try to look at the, the positive side and the opportunities and, and just continue to battle for um, people really embracing girls and women's participation in sports because it's these young women pour their hearts and their souls into their craft. They're fun to watch. And it, I just, I feel proud to be able to, to lift them up and be a part of that. Each time you put on the headset or turn on the mic or whatever it is, what is it that you hope other people get from your announcing and like young women like me can see from you to help inspire them? I, when I put on the headsets, I want to be a part of telling the stories and describing the strategies and, and just the ins and outs of what people are watching. I want to lift up these women because they put so much into being the best they can be, whether it's their, their skills, their athleticism, their understanding of the game, their teamwork, their leadership, all those great skills. I want to be able to lift up those stories so that people that are tuning in think, wow, these are outstanding young women and I want to be a part of supporting and just enjoying uh, women in sports. And, um, you know, I, I commend uh, women who want to get into sports and want to cover men's and women's sports because more and more doors are opening for women to cover uh, men's sports, whether it's as play-by-play -play announcers or analysts or sideline reporters or studio hosts or, or whatever it is. Um, and I commend that, but I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in lifting up women. And I want to be an advocate for women so that we are at the table, so that we are um, being seen so that we are being appreciated and celebrated and you know that's what I want my career to be about. What is something that either you wish you knew or a piece of advice you would give the younger women not just in broadcast but just wanting to go into sport? Always uh, make yourself available to uh, meeting new people, um, making people aware that you are interested and passionate about the sport the sport, whatever it is, and and that you are willing to do whatever it takes to be involved. And so if it's being involved, um, you know, shadowing somebody or, uh, you know, 
pulling cables or whatever, or sitting in the broadcast truck and seeing how productions actually happen behind the scenes or whatever that might be, just being available to do whatever. And if you are you know, tapping on the shoulders of people that are involved in this industry and, and sharing with them examples of your work or uh, your vision for what you want to do in your career, uh, the, the more that you network and meet people and then just remind those people that you're out there and you're interested, the more opportunities, the more doors that will open. And you know, another big piece of advice is uh, never say no, you know, especially early in your career, whatever the opportunity, if it seems like it's uh, less than something you want to do, it, you never know when that opportunity might open the door for other things. And I love to use the phrase, you never know. You never know if the next handshake that you have, the next email that you send, the next LinkedIn uh, conversation that you have, you never know when that might be the one that opens the door for you in your future. Well, thank you again so much for being my first guest on this podcast. I'm beyond excited to see where it goes and can't wait to listen to you in the future. Well, I'm excited that you're doing this podcast series that you're doing because being able to listen to different people in the industry, women that have forged the, the path or, or have been leaders, have broken barriers, uh, you know, everybody has their own story about how they've gone about doing it. And there's no singular way to be successful in sports and sports broadcasting in any endeavor. And so listening to and learning from as many people as you can is a good thing. So congratulations and, and good luck with your venture. And thank you, my lovely listener, for joining me on episode number one of the Where We Belong podcast. Make sure you're following at Where We Belong pod on Instagram to stay up to date on the next episode, which I promise you will not want to miss a week from today. This is Livy Eisenhower. Don't forget, work hard, be kind to those around you, and have a great week.